Hello, and thanks so much for joining us on today's episode of the Becoming Financially Fit podcast, a podcast for business owners to give you the confidence to embrace your numbers and to help you put simple practices in place to make your business financial life easier. We are here to support you as your business grows and as you become financially fit. I am your host, Stacey Price, founder and owner of Healthy Business Finances. And yes, I am a totally self-confessed numbers nerd, loud and proud, an accountant, a business owner, and someone who believes that education is the best form of self-defense. So let's do this and get stuck into today's episode. I hope you love it. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Becoming Financially Fit podcast, the podcast to help business owners overcome their financial fears. Today we are talking to Emma McMillan from Emma McMillan Copy. Emma is such a creative spirit and moved from a career in teaching to a career in copywriting and marketing. With a curiosity to learn and understand, launching into business life seems like a natural progression. Heavily investing in her business this year has seen Emma move from a scarcity mindset to truly understanding her value and her gift, and this has seen her client list be filled with clients sharing her same values. Whilst it is not always easy having money conversations, what is vitally important to Emma is looking after not only her personal health, but the full health of her business and the results are a clear winner. Going from what is generally deemed a safe career and steady income into business life, confidence, pricing and systems are vital. Along with understanding your money mindset, we are super thrilled to be discussing all of this and more with teacher-turned-copywriter extraordinaire, Emma McMillan. Thanks for joining us today, Emma. And before we delve into all of our questions that we have for you, can you share with our listeners a little bit more information about who you are and what it is that you do for your clients? Sure thing, Stacey. Well, thank you firstly so much for having me. I am a copywriter and I specialize in working with both established business owners who are looking to I guess, align their messaging or they may have developed since they first started out in business and they kind of want to get all of their communications on the same page. Or also a big part of my business is supporting marketing and communications teams who are completely stretched to the limit. And I step in and I'm sort of like outsourced support for those teams. That's what I really love to do is to just help provide, I guess, clarity for organizations and just that extra external objective I've recently also forayed into copy coaching and that's where I spend some time one-on-one with people to coach them through writing their own copy or getting over their own writing blocks. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, someone who is a complete numbers nerd and certainly not a word nerd, I can totally relate to that service because I think there's a lot of people like me out there where words are just not our jam whatsoever. Everyone in their own lane. (laughs) Exactly, right? Knowing what you're good at. Before we get into your business journey as it is now, which we'll talk about shortly, can you tell us how you came to be a business owner in the first place and what that, I guess, initial thought process was like for you? That's an interesting one. I'm not even sure initially that I really realized that I would be starting my own business if I changed career. I just was looking to make a change out of education. I've been in the teaching space for more than a decade. And copywriting was something that I landed on, but I don't really ever think I thought about what it would look like to run my own business. And I almost think that if I had known what running a business actually entails, 
all the different hats you have to wear, all the different components that make up your day, your week, and your year. I'm not sure if I actually would have been so bold as to make the move, but gosh, I'm so glad I did. I think it was ultimately craving a sense of autonomy and a sense of control over what my days look like, what my working life looks like. So can we touch on that teaching just for a minute? Because I see that as a complete, I guess, career flip going from teaching to copywriting. I see teaching as quite a, I guess, a structured environment, whereas I see copywriting and marketing as such a creative space. Were you teaching in those areas or how did you know you were good at it? How did you know you were going to love it? How did that come to be though? Yeah, good question. And it's interesting because I guess once I layer in all of my background, it sort of seems like a more logical transition. So my original study was in creative arts and especially creative writing was my major. So I did have a writing background, but at that time, you know, in the late 90s, I don't think anybody I knew was making a living from anything to do with writing. So it kind of just didn't really seem like such a great career option back then. So I then went and studied dance teaching for a little while and thought of opening up a studio, which I decided at the end of the day that I didn't want to work weekends or evenings. So that was not an option. And so I went and retrained as a school teacher and I taught performing arts, so dance, drama, and also English. So in some ways it was a flip, but in other ways it sort of felt like a bit of a logical progression in some ways. I was very passionate about, you know, helping people learn how to write better and express themselves and get sort of clear on their ideas. And I wanted an opportunity to work more with adults as well. I I love working with teenagers. I was a secondary teacher, but I think once I had my own child as well, I sort of felt like I got my kid fixed at home and (laughs) it might be nice to actually see if I could make the writing thing a go because obviously digital marketing had grown so much as an industry since I'd started work. And there was actually now a place to make money from writing that I could see. So I sort of thought, well, if not now, when? And maternity leave actually handed me the perfect opportunity to actually sort of do a little bit of further study, a couple of online courses, copywriting essentials, build a website and off I went. Perfect. So when you first started your business though, did you have a family that had had small business or did you have a lot of friends that had small business? Because I think there's this misconception, which obviously I love to break down these misconceptions that because you've started a business, it must have been your lifelong dream or you must have had, you know, six generations of business owners in your family and that's why you wanted to do it. Can you let us know if that was your experience or something different? That was not my experience at all. In fact, my mum had been a teacher for her whole career. And she was very confused as to why I would make such a crazy decision. Um, It's interesting though, as it turns out, I've spoken with my dad recently. So I'm four years into business this year and I've only sort of recently found out that there were some actual small business connections sort of further back in the family. I mean, I knew my uncle ran a successful business and had done for many years, but he was sort of really the only one that I knew of in our sort of immediate circle. But Further back in the generations, there was a little bit more of it. So I sort of wonder if it found its way through to me some way like that. But certainly none of my friends had businesses at that point. Maybe a couple had hobby businesses, but it really wasn't around me. So maybe that sort of helped being naive, I guess, in terms of what I was walking into. Whereas my husband has now started his own small business, but he's watched me go through it. I feel like it's a bit different for him because he's sort of got his eyes a bit more open. 
But I think that the ignorance was actually a blessing in disguise. Yeah, I think sometimes if you know all the bits that you need to be suddenly in charge of, rather than just the bits that you love, I think if someone had have told me that eight years ago, I would have been like, no thanks, sign me up to that nine to five job and I'm happy to go there and do it. Again, wouldn't have it any other way now. I think it's just sometimes you don't need to know all the detail before you start. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So when we think back to starting your business four years ago, we like to have a think about the scale of where you're at on the numbers don't scare me scale. So we speak to a lot of people who are either on one end of the spectrum where they're completely petrified, so they probably ignore everything to do with numbers, or we have a lot of people that want to be all over it. They might not know the detail, but they really hands on and want to know everything about the numbers. Do you remember where you kind of sat on that scale when you first started? I think more than anything, I was curious. I mean, I've worked in a career where there was no opportunity ever for sort of negotiation of salary or those sorts of things. It was literally, this is what you earn as a first year, second year, third year, tenure out teacher. My income had always been incredibly predictable that way. And all of a sudden I was in an industry where I sort of wanted to set myself targets and things like that because for me to make it, I guess, a career that was going to be feasible, I had to earn a certain amount of money. Otherwise, I kind of told myself, well, you'll have to go back into the classroom. So I wanted to know if this is what I'm charging, how many hours do I need to work and how does that all work and how do I create an invoice and all those things. It was all very manual processes in the beginning very laborious Word documents and spreadsheets and things. And I very quickly spent my money on accounting software, which is some of the best money I've ever spent, and training on how to use it because it just transformed everything. And it just meant that, I mean, I never wanted to have my head in the sand with that sort of thing because I felt like it was too important. And I wanted to make it a successful business. And I wanted to see how I was growing, you know, month on month and year on year. I got a lot of satisfaction from that. So it was important to me to know those numbers. But it certainly wasn't something that came easily. Yeah, and I think it's very interesting that the word I picked up on when you spoke about that was curious. So when we speak to a lot of people about numbers in the first instance, and they have gone from a space where they've never had to deal with it, you know, money gets paid each pay run into their bank account, and they have to deal with it for themselves the first time, they always throw out a negative word. You know, how they felt about it was often quite negative, whereas I feel curious is a positive spin. You may not have known all the answers, but you were putting a positive spin on the fact that you wanted to know all the answers, which I think is quite an interesting concept. Yeah. Well, I guess that really plays into how I am about a lot of things. And I think what served me well in both my previous career and in this career is my curiosity because it makes up so much of what I do. And I think that that's just innately who I am. And I kind of realized it wasn't something that somebody was necessarily going to be able to do for me, both because at that stage, I wasn't able to outsource it, but also because I didn't want to either. I wanted to learn how to do that. I wanted to learn more about digital marketing. I wanted to learn more about X, Y, Z. That's been one of the greatest satisfactions for me in having a business is this opportunity for continued learning and personal growth has been just something unexpected. And I've just found it incredible to see how far I've come both personally and professionally in the past four years where I felt like I had sort of done all the things I wanted to do in education. You know, I didn't ever aspire to be a principal or a vice principal and I had led departments and I'd done all those things and I sort of felt like I don't know where to go next. And 
goodness me, I didn't know what sort of journey I had ahead of me. <laughs> and it's still going. I think the good thing about the business journey is that it is such a journey and it doesn't necessarily end after a certain amount of time. There's always something new around the door, which we will talk about later. But I want to talk about now how you determine success for your business. And when we talk about success, we don't necessarily talk about a dollar value. We don't refer to a certain amount of sales or a certain profit or a certain level of this or that. You know, success could mean something about your brand. It could be something about your clients. It could be something about just being innately happy every day that you wake up and work on your business. So how did you or when did you know that your business was starting to become successful? That's a great question. And I think what's interesting about that is that it evolves. I'm constantly changing my mind about how I evaluate success. I mean, I'm not going to lie in the beginning. It was very much around financials because, you know, it's just trying to get a couple of clients through the door and those sorts of sales were really monumentous and helped me feel like I could actually do something with this career, you know. But as it's evolved, it's become more about things like other clients that I'm working with really aligned with my values and do I feel like the work that I'm doing is really making a difference to people who really value it? Am I working reasonable hours? Am I spending enough time with my son before he goes off to school next year? Am I feeling like I'm on the hamster wheel or am I feeling like I've kind of got it balanced? And honestly, I was doing pretty well up until about March this year, as we all were with a lot of those time management things. But, you know, I think it really has evolved and I've set different sort of markers dependent on the year or the phase of the business. And that's what I love about it too, that it does keep changing. And when we talk about that success, obviously your business has grown and a lot of that growth needs to be supported by a network of people, whether that's family, friends, other business owners. What did your support network look like when you first started your business compared to what it looks like today? Because I think success at any level no matter how good you are at what you do, you need to be supported by people. So what does that support network look like and feel like for you now? Yeah, sure. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think that would be incredibly isolating as a business owner to not have a huge support network around you. I'm so thankful to have so many people that are in my circle who give me all kinds of different support from copywriting communities to freelancing communities to a community through my business coach and her clients. That's a community that she will shine women's business community. She mentors so many different groups of people around me. And it's great because they all tap into different things that are really important to me. You know, some of the really beautiful connection and support and uplifting one another and some of the actual practical advice and some of the, you know, copywriting troubleshooting and so on. So there's so many people around me. I've also just recently started co-working in a new space with a fantastic group of women who I look up to and who inspire me in their business. And so there's people everywhere and even my family are on board now. I mean, it took a little while, but (laughs) even your mom, even my mom, she's on board. And now that my husband is working in small business too, I think we really now understand each other a lot more when it comes to work because we never did the same sort of thing in our previous lives. But now we do understand that small business is not always predictable. 
that sometimes it does have a flurry of stress and excitement and deadlines and other times things can be, you know, slower paced and so on. And you have to be proactive about factoring in things like holidays and and time off and that sort of thing, because no one's going to do it for you. We do understand better each other. We could go into a whole other podcast about working from home during a pandemic with your husband or spouse, but (laughs) I think I'm going to leave that one right there. But I think one of the things we forget in small business is you need to celebrate the wins, but you also need to discuss the not so great moments. So having that support network really lets you sometimes vent, sometimes, you know, let those things out because as a solo practitioner, you can bottle those things up and it really doesn't help anything move forward. Yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest concerns when people start their business initially is how do you fund a business? Now, you did go from a teaching career, but I guess a lot of people don't know they're going to start a business until they kind of make the leap. So did you have any plans in place to make it easier for you to make that transition from teacher to business owner? No, is the short answer. I didn't. And for someone who is as much of a planner as me, I almost can't believe it myself. And maybe it was like the new baby hormones or something. But I just decided while I was on maternity leave, I didn't want to go back into the classroom. Or if I did, I wanted to have started a pathway out. So what I did was I bought a laptop and I paid someone who just started their developing business, you know, $150 to build me a really simple website and registered an ABN. And off I went. I just emailed everybody I knew and said, this is what I'm doing now. It took a while to build up some clientele. And I did end up going back to teach the following year, just a couple of days a week. But I was also building the business on the side. And by three quarters of the way through that year, I handed in my resignation and my principal was shocked. She said, are you sure you don't just want to take a year's leave without pay? And then I had a moment where I thought, am I doing the right thing here? Like, am I crazy? Should I just be having a year off? And then I thought to myself, if I really want this and if I'm really going to back myself, then I don't want a backup plan because I'll just have that then to fall back on. And I didn't want it. It just wasn't the right fit for me anymore. So I did. I gave her my notice and away I went. I haven't ever regretted it. Oh, my God. It's so amazing because I think when people question when you make such a big decision, it almost makes you think they must be right. You know, like you don't even question why you've made that decision to start with. You instantly think they must be right. I'm doing the wrong thing. Heck, maybe I should just take a year off. So I'm so glad that you trusted your instinct there. And I'm sure you're a fabulous, fabulous teacher, but I think you've also got a fabulous business now. So it's so nice that you made that decision. And now that your business is humming along and you've got that four years experience, I guess, under your belt, can you pinpoint something that has, I guess, helped your business grow to where it is now? Good question. I think a few things. For me, I found mindset-wise, business coaching. I did a series of business coaching this year and I found that really beneficial and transformational in terms of the way that I built out, I guess, a vision of what I wanted my business to look like in the future. Because I think up until that point, I had been operating at a very reactive kind of level and not really thinking ahead, not really necessarily about the sorts of clients I maybe wanted to work with, but instead responding to the sort of inquiries that fell into my inbox. I think this year, 
I've been able to become so much more intentional around who I work with and where I'm headed, where I didn't necessarily have that before. But obviously, the networks that I'm in played a huge role as well because, you know, the more you've been around and the better connected you are, for me, a huge proportion of the clients I got from in those early few years were from referrals and investing time and energy into building actual genuine relationships with people that a lot of times led to work was really significant. And some of those turned into, you know, big projects and big contracts. And just, again, the coming back to that backing myself. And once I stopped kind of getting in my own way around saying, I don't think I can do this. I don't have enough experience to do this. Instead going, well, if someone else thinks I do, then who am I to say, no, I don't, you know, and just actually taking risks and chances, perhaps a moment before I was ready, but in a way that felt like, I guess, not a crazy risk, just a little bit out of my comfort zone. (laughs) And can I just touch on, you spoke there about you have invested in mentors and coaching, especially in the past 12 months. So I feel this is so important, but usually there is a big investment and you only generally see the reward afterwards. So how did you go with, at times, we often feel we need to justify these investments and what has hindsight, which I know we obviously only get afterwards, but what has that taught you? Because a lot of people we speak to are stuck at this crossroads of knowing when to invest in that type of support and guidance. So I'd love your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think as I got to the end of last year, I realized I had sort of probably gone as far as I was going to go with everything as it was in terms of I could keep ticking along doing what I was doing. I felt like I could do more and I felt like I really wanted to elevate my business. And so this year, I'm in a crazy year perhaps to invest in coaching. I invested in some more SEO training. I invested in a course about the psychology of copywriting. I invested in a new brand, a new website. I really had committed to this year being a year where I really wanted to evolve it to kind of another level. And I just thought, COVID, you can't rain on my whole parade. No way. I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. But it was really scary, especially when some clients pulled back because they got a bit nervous at the start of COVID and so on. That was a little bit like, what am I doing? I had a bigger picture in mind and I can already see, you know, I've been live with a new brand and website for a couple of months and just the confidence that I feel in my business now and the way that all my SEO training is working and paying off and I can start to see that that is coming back to me. It was a big investment, but I had a strong motivation behind why I was doing it. And I think that enabled me to go ahead with that and to know that there was going to be value on the other side. But you're right. It can feel a bit terrifying because it is one of those things where the benefit doesn't come often until further down the track. Down the track. I must admit, I, of course, Google stalk all my guests before I speak to them and I Googled your website. I knew you did a, a brand refresh and the website is amazing. Absolutely amazing. So of course, I'll put that on our website in the show notes and everything for everybody to go and stalk you as well. But I spoke at an event Gosh, now I think it was last year, but given COVID, it could have been any time because my memory has gone a little bit fuzzy in the past six months. But I spoke at an event that was hosted by Sophie from Sister Scout Studio. And there was another lady there, Branka from Gig Super. And we spoke about money and money mindset. Now I want to touch on this because when I spoke to you earlier, one of your takeaways from that night was I did talk about the profit first method. And it is a very popular book written 
by Mike, and I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name because I still can't pronounce it. But if you Google Profit First, it's a massive book that a lot of entrepreneurs read, and it's designed to encourage people to really put themselves first in their business from a financial perspective. How did you feel after that event? Because I know you did go away and set up your own version of that. And how have you found that linking back to kind of your mindset around the business finances, the pricing and the confidence that comes with it? That was a really interesting step for me. And I remember that night, I felt like there were just so many little light bulbs that went off in my head that night. And one of them was around, if I used to get paid a salary, what's to stop me paying myself a salary, like a regular salary at an amount that I choose? Because really, if there was always money going to be coming in, it was just a matter of how I viewed that money. So then what I did is I decided my financial goals for each month. And I took a proportion of that and decided, well, that amount would be my salary. So every two weeks, cash flow dependent, I would pay myself that amount of money into our sort of, you know, family joint account each month. And that would be my salary. And then that I would take a percentage that I worked out for tax, superannuation and GST, and I would put that into another account. So that when tax time rolled around or best, you know, lodgement time, I wasn't scrambling for the money because I actually already had it aside in a separate account. So what it did was it actually just gave me peace of mind that every month I'm getting paid and every month I'm putting aside the money that I need to put aside to pay the tax department. So it just kind of removed a whole lot of that stress and I could see it sitting there. So I knew that was a way that I could, I guess, impose some sort of control in an area where in the first instance, I thought small business finances, that feels a little bit like I felt a bit out of my debt. But I think it was a way for me to actually put some structure around it. Yay. I'm so happy. Often we do talk about his book, which I love, and we do our own version of it with our clients. We're not as anally retentive as the book is, but I get why they are like that. And I think sometimes it is just really simplifying it and starting with step one to make people realize, Finances as a whole, if I just look at it as a big picture, it can be quite scary. But if I just look and have one separate bank account that I transfer X amount a week or a month, then I'm taking that first step and I'll just see what the next step is later on. Yeah, absolutely. When I first heard of it, I thought, oh gosh, I'm not going to set up yet five different accounts. That all seemed a bit too hard. But I could take those steps. I thought, yeah, I can pay myself a salary. Yes, I can put money aside. For, you know, those expenses that I know are coming. And then I'll just feel like I've got a better understanding of where I am because that idea of keeping the tax aside and paying that later, you know, that's obviously something that's brand new to business owners that we've never had to think about before. And there's a danger that it can just look like free money for a while. And then all of a sudden. Yes. The old free money, if it, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. I think that is like a definitely a lesson for small business owners. So in terms of the next 12 months, I want to be cheeky and I want to see if there's anything that you can share with us that's perhaps on the horizon for Emma McMillan Copy in the next 12 months. Let's forget COVID for a minute because we're hoping that we're hopefully through the worst of that. But in the next 12 months, what does 2021 hope to bring you and your business? Yes. Well, I can't wait to officially move into the co-working space that I've been working in virtually these past six months. And that will be brilliant, I think, to be surrounding myself regularly with a group of really uplifting women. But also, I'm really looking forward to growing my copy coaching and my workshop offerings because 
I feel like that's a beautiful way for me to combine my previous career with my current career. You know, writing all the time is not something that I think is sustainable necessarily for the long term. So for me, I think creating a balance between copywriting, copy coaching and workshop delivery will just feel like a really balanced, natural way of evolving the business for me. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out over the next 12 months and working with some more clients in that capacity. Oh, Interesting because I have a course on my to-do list. Now that I've crossed off podcast, I've got a space on my to-do list and funnily enough on there is write a book. So I may need to come to one of your workshops because there's no words put down at all yet. It's just literally on my to-do list. So that's my thing for 2021, but I certainly think I need some help in that area. What an understatement. I would love for you to share perhaps a little snippet, a funny snippet into your business life and how perhaps Staying on top of your finances has kind of helped you through a tricky spot or a tricky situation. Oh, that's a good one. When we spoke about this earlier, I think you had overestimated your tax payments. Is that correct? Yes, I had actually. I was so cautious about putting aside the right amount of money to pay the tax department that when I actually got my tax return, I realized I had a whole lot of money left in there and it was such a relief. That's when I also said to my husband, you know, it it really pays to be a bit overly cautious and to round up (laughs) rather than round down. And it did help me pay for a few of those investments this year too. But it was just great to know that I had covered my own back by making that decision and by being really disciplined about, about putting that money aside. And I think sometimes when you do put that money aside, there is a tiny little twinge of resentment that it's going to sit there for 12 months and then it's going to pay the ATO. But to then have to pay the ATO and also have a little buffer that you can now spend on other things, it makes me so happy because so many people do it in reverse and don't put enough aside and get to the end of the year. And it's really, really a frightening. Oh, that would make me feel so anxious. (laughs) Yeah, it is a completely different feeling to how I'm sure you were feeling when you realised there was a nice little buffer in that bank account. Yeah. And I know that's not always possible because I know for a lot of businesses, you know, cash flow can be really unpredictable, but I'm, you know, pretty lucky to be able to have some retainer clients on and things like that, that mean that I do have some elements of consistent income, which do mean that I can do that. And that is something that has really just taken that stress off. Perfect. And lastly, because I know we've already taken up nearly an hour of your time, but I really want to touch on what the phrase becoming financially fit means to you. And I guess how those words resonate with your business. I guess it's sort of for me a little bit like if I'm taking care of all the other bits of my business and of my life, I mean, I'm a very fit and active person. I love to do a lot of exercise and and keep myself personally fit. So why I wouldn't pay the same kind of attention to my business is kind of a bit beyond me. It's almost like That's just how I kind of want to feel about everything that I'm sort of in control as much as I can be, that I have put systems in place, that things are not overwhelming, that they're sort of just ticking along. And yeah, it's a mechanisms built in where like I just don't need to have that stress. I guess it's a feeling of lightness about my business that I know enough about the numbers that I could outsource you know, and I do outsource a bit of bookkeeping now, just fast statements and tax returns mainly. 
actually quite like going in and looking and, and reconciling things. And again, it comes back to that curiosity and that sort of satisfaction. That's important. But to be in control of that is just a part of what I would like to feel about all the aspects of my life as much as I can. So it fits in for me like that. Emma, I can't thank you enough for being a guest on today's podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure and it is no surprise that courage and learning are two of your brand values. We love talking to creatives and hearing you come from a pretty structured teaching background to being in charge of your own business and most certainly your business finances. It just makes my heart sing that you backed yourself so confidently. To have people happily talk about the importance of understanding their money mindset, although we all know it is difficult at the start, the proof is simply in the pudding in your story. So thanks so much for joining us today, Emma. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me, Stacey. I hope you've loved listening to today's episode of the Becoming Financially Fit podcast. We are all at different stages in our business life, at different levels in our money confidence, and we all have different needs. However, our goals are all along the same path. To learn, to grow, and to succeed in our journey of becoming financially fit. For more tips and advice, you can follow our journey on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Healthy Business Finances, or you can also search all episodes of our podcast at www.becomingfinanciallyfit.com.au.